here. Move on to week 18. Let's talk some news, some standings, some playoff scenarios. Let's have some fun here. Let's 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 look ahead at what the future holds. But before we get to the fun, I do have to come with some tragic news and go through our injury report as always. Um, it starts with a Tampa Bay running back in Ronald Jones. His ankle is a little bit tweaked up, but he should be fine to play. It's nothing like the Leonard Fournette situation. So there is that. Um, New York Jets running back. Oh, God. oh, you have something on that? No. Uh, oh, okay. This is the Ronald Jones thing. I was just, you know, considering what's happened with um Leonard Fournette and, and what's just happened with AB, I think he I think he has finally achieved job security. What do you think? I don't. Um New York <laughs> New York Jets running back Michael <laughs> Carter <laughs> left the game with the concussion. <laughs> <laughs> New England running back Damon Harris has a hamstring injury. Uh, Cincinnati uh, quarterback uh, Joe Burrow, uh, he did go down late in the game against Kansas City, uh, literally on that final drive uh, with his, he re-injured that knee that he had an injury on uh, earlier this season. Doesn't look like it's going to be something that's going to be too too big of a deal. I do know Joe Burrow will not be playing in week 18. I think both him and Zach Taylor have both stated they've locked up the division. He's not playing this week, so they, they're just going to give him as much rest as possible going into the playoffs. Um, Atlanta tight end Kyle Pitts went down with the with a hamstring injury. Washington football team tight end Ricky Seals Jones uh, Jones had a neck injury, and also their tackle Charles Leno had a knee injury as well. Uh, we stated it earlier. Dallas wide receiver Michael Gallup tore his ACL season ending. He is done for the year. Uh, at the end of the game, Drew Locke did go down with a sprained AC joint in his shoulder. So uh, I don't think he's going to be playing this week with that, or maybe he'll tough it out. I, I don't even know which shoulder it's on. Uh, so we'll see. Um, Seattle tight end Will Disley uh, did end up injuring his heel. DJ Dallas in- injured his thigh. And uh, Carlos Dunlap injured his ankle in, the- in that game. Um I mean, they got a big win against Detroit, but I guess they had to escape with some injuries as well. Uh, Kansas City left tackle Orlando Brown went down with a calf injury. Hopefully he can get back for this playoff run here. And Chargers center Corey Lindsley just got injured. There is no designation of his injury. He's just on the injury report this week. So hopefully he's okay. And hopefully if they can get this win, he'll be ready for this playoff run because he's a pretty integral part to that that. Uh, Chargers offensive line. So if they can get him back, that's going to be huge. Um, but let's talk some headlines because there is some maybe not massive news this week, uh, but there are some consequential things. One story is massive. Let's start with that one. Antonio Brown's dramatic exit from Tampa Bay. Uh, Antonio Brown just cannot stay out of the news uh, when it comes to just off the field uh, antics. Technically, this one was on the field, so uh, I'll just give the synopsis, and then I want to get your, your your feedback on this. So let's start with AB's side because it's the shorter shorter explanation of the two. AB claims that uh, Air- Bruce Arians tried to force him back into the game while Bruce Arians did was aware of his pre-existing ankle injury, and when AB refused – uh, he says that Arians told him you're done, gave him like this throat slashing type gesture and AB was fed up, took off his pads, threw him on the, on the bench, t- 
took his gear, threw it to the fans, and 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 peaced out. Um, so there, that that's a B side. That's what he's saying has happened in, in that time. Um, you can take that with a grain of salt, um, but you can also take a Bruce Arian side of things with a grain of salt because he hasn't been the picture of. I mean, he's been the picture of hypocrisy uh, this season when it comes to his uh, feelings towards AB. Arian states that AB was upset during halftime about his target share, made a little bit of a of a fuss in the locker room at halftime. They calmed him down. They got him back out there to to play. Um, Arians uh, approached him and said, what's up with him as he sat out on a series in the third quarter and AB apparently told him that he couldn't play because of his ankle. And Arians was aware that he was having ankle injury, ankle issues, but he wouldn't accept Mm -hmm. any treatment from the medical staff. And the medical staff was really never alerted. Um, And Arians wasn't told that from the medical staff that they had any information on that. Um, So he just told him you're done and told him to get out. And that is Arian's side of the story. And we all saw what happened on the sideline um, and what was well-documented in, in, in video. Um, and I know Michael, Mike Evans was trying to keep him from walking off or anything like that, but obviously the, whatever Michael Evans said, didn't take heed. So those were the two sides of the story. Um, you can't really believe AB because for the last three years, he's been, clinically insane uh but i don't by by proxy trust what bruce arian says because he has been one of the most hypocritical people in the nfl this season so i I don't know who to believe and what the true story is but uh what what are your thoughts that's the mess in tampa um i think there's probably some shreds of truth in both stories you know, I don't think we're ever really going to get the true story. You know, it, it's going to be on some wacky podcast eight years from now, or, you know, talking about something else in football. And then somebody's going to have some little sideline comment and either it's going to be an Arians um, interview or AB interview. And then all of a sudden the question is going to come out and then they're going to be like, this is what happened. Let me tell you. I think it, we're going to get it in on. like a Tom Brady career documentary, just like – a few years down the but line, but then it'll be his version, right? Yeah, and it's, it's gonna come in this wonky place, and you, but and it's gonna be like, but it's gonna be so it ain't gonna be nothing like what we heard, you know, and yeah. it's gonna be this third version, but it's not, and, but it's gonna come at a time when we're not gonna be thinking about it, we're not gonna care, we're gonna be on to something else, and it's be like, oh, oh, remember when I, oh, I do remember when he he just ran off the field in the video. Yeah, he ran right off the field, and I watched my whole championship run right off the field. You know, so I know that you have a different thing. different area. I, have to nerd it. I don't know your perspective. I don't know why I put this right in my lineup, but <laughs> but yeah, that that's my perspective of an NFL game. I'm gonna go straight fantasy with it. You know, like <laughs> this was a fantasy no no. This man walked off with, I mean, a full quarter and some change left, and I do all I need is a few points out of you. I don't need yeah. much. <laughs> And I'm saying this for any AB fan or any AB owner who who's 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 season was on the line last week. Jeez. Just I just need this guy to hit his projection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to hear what he would happen and then hear these stories like you were sharing. And I'm about to say, 
listeners, y'all have to be very impressed how Curtis Five is giving these 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 reports. He's down there giving it to you verbatim. If I gave it to you, I'd have gave you some really condensed <laughs> version of this. We would have left a whole lot of detail out, and that's my point. But everything you just shared, yes, yeah, listen to, and and, yeah. and and then I have to be faced with my team lost by points, a handful of points, which. Shouldn't that have easily could have been made up from him saying in that game. Just by just standing in the game. Now, whether you lost your shit or the coach lost his or what, whoever <laughs> did what and who shot Johnny, I don't know. All I know, there's a lot of AB fans that got to be disappointed like this guy right here because I'm sitting there shooting myself like I had four other options and I chose this guy. And this is what comes out of this. So what do I take from all of this? There's obviously something going on with with AB. Something terribly wrong in the in in his personal life. I sensed it back when he was in Oakland. I think like most people did. <laughs> it was very glaring then. However, yeah. we seen the first signs of this in Pittsburgh when that stuff started going south, and that's when it finally got to him, and it was going south. He went south very quickly, and then none of it, we all shrug it off because we never seen it before. I mean, AB was pretty much a model model um, player in the league up until that point, but it has been a slow downward spiral ever since then. And if we got to just look at the body of work, is he going to get work somewhere else? More than likely, probably. But be rest assured. That's what I'm saying. Rest assured. The AB and the issues that we've seen, that's going nowhere. So whoever takes him, understand. You're taking that on. Now, I mean, you're going to get some reprieve for a year. No, 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 no. It's coming because there's something obviously wrong in this man's personal life that is that is actually crossed over into his professional life. Mm. And it is clear as day. And to, to watch him just run off the field, hear what I'm saying. He said he had this big, massive ankle injury. I don't have a problem with that. How the hell are you running off the field? You're trotting and if I'm not mistaken, did he really do a dump jumping jacks or something? Yeah, he was like, he was heard, hyping up the crowd. He was like throwing up his arms, uh, jumping jack type style. I, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah. I you could say adrenaline and just your story and the physicalities of what you did after that, unfortunately, with most people just don't match. That's all I'm going to leave it at that. I ain't saying you're not telling the truth. I ain't saying you are. All I'm saying is the story's sketchy. When it, then you got the coach. That's, that's, story yeah, that's what no I was going to say. His than, is way, that one I feel like is, with everything that's been happening with AB, I have no regrets uh, of signing him. I'm not going to double back on what I said uh, when I when I said he had, I have a zero tolerance policy, and now I'm getting rid of him just because I have a little bit of a dust up with him. Like, I... This is what you signed up for. I, I don't know why why Bruce Arians is trying to make it seem like he he's just the model citizen. You've enabled this dude to be who he is now. Yeah, he like, did. It's yeah. your fault. Like I, I understand that you probably didn't have as much say as you would have liked when you didn't want him on the roster, but he's here now, and now it's your responsibility to manage egos. That is one of the biggest responsibilities of an NFL head coach, managing of egos. You clearly didn't get that done. You clearly didn't do that with AB. And for whatever headbutting you two had, you let that spill out on the field and you let that be a distraction for your team. That's on you. That's not on anybody else. Not on Tom Brady? Because I thought Tom Brady was his handler. 
personally. Boom. <laughs> I, I, that's a fair statement, and I, I, I guess so. But I, but I mean, who, who? I think it's gonna fall on the head Until coach regardless. True, true, true. No, uh, no, I, 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 get it. <laughs> I just, this is a very special situation that they had because you remember, couldn't have been more out on this guy upon hearing his name in the in the beginning. So yeah. obviously, pressures came yeah. from above or below. <laughs> and whatever the case, we realized who the real power was. Just throwing it out there. Fair. Yeah, and here it's we are. But, but with that complete train wreck last week on the field in in New York. Okay, and I'm gonna now, leave it at that. You gave and, me oh, a perfect by the way, segue. He was spotted no. the next day at an afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> he, that did happen. But you gave me the perfect segue there, talking about train <laughs> okay. wrecks. The Vegas Raiders. Go ahead. I. What is going on? I don't know if you've heard this story, but cornerback Nate Hobbs was arrested earlier this week for a DUI charge. Is there nobody on the Vegas PR team telling these guys to just stop going out drinking for the night or just whenever anybody leaves the facility? Nobody gets keys anymore. Nobody has keys to cars. You only take Ubers. I, I don't understand this. They need a they need a, like a players, like a team, a team road that leads them back out of the city, away from the strip, away from the casinos, away from anything that's going on downtown central Vegas. Yo all go home. Go straight home. Straight, you know, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not do none of that type of stuff. Literally, just go home. And they this is why another this specifically is why I don't think that Derek Carr is going to be back with the Raiders. There is no player leadership on this roster. I don't care what's happened. Like, I, I think it's even more egregious that this is the third player on the Raiders this season. One killed a person. One... Henry Ruggs took somebody's life earlier this year. And then just the week after we had another corner do the same thing and get into another accident and he got arrested. And now we've got a third, third Vegas running uh, Raiders player has now been arrested for anything dealing with alcohol or drugs while driving. Where is the leadership? Mm-hmm. Where is anybody coming in saying, guys, we have to be better than this? Saying, guys, like, hey, do you need anything? Can I can I help you with anything? Because I'm here if you need. Like, there is no leadership on this team. There's no camaraderie on this team. I, and I guess it's more, I guess they have more talent on their team than we previously thought. Because with the lack of leadership that they have, the fact that they have nine wins, I am baffled by the decision making. Out off the field anyway. Right. So I, I this is that when I saw this come across my, my, my phone, I was so disgusted. And I, I, I could possibly understand, like, I feel like anybody in that, there's like, this shouldn't be a story in the NFL at all anymore, especially after what happened with Henry mm-hmm. Ruggs. That was such a massive story. And that that's still something that people are dealing with right now. But that was such a big story that everybody came around and was like, guys, this is be- like, we have to be better than this. Everybody was stating that. 
So it, for the entire NFL, mm-hmm. it's disappointing to see that we have these coming across our, our phones still. But the fact that it was the Raiders, and this is the third time this season that this has happened with the Raiders, and that's not even the that that's not that's not the worst one, and it's not one of the worst stories. But it's just like, guys, for everything that you've been through this season, why are you bringing more attention to yourselves by doing stupid stuff like this? I just, again, just disgusted. I I, I don't have any other way of describing it. Uh, I, I'm not going to add anything to that. I kind of already segued into this. But I don't have anything against the Vegas Raiders, but it's a miracle they got nine wins this year. I'm going to leave it. That's the most I, – I, that is the most baffling thing. I, I don't even know how they got nine wins. They did look impressive at some point through this season. They have been a train wreck the other points of the season. They, it, it is, they have done a complete 180. Back and forth, and, and the pendulum just keeps swinging on this team. And this is well, as I say, train wreck. And as you said, a nice segue. It has been a very slow one, but it has been one you just have not been able to turn your face. You can't turn no. your head away from it. It's just like look at this. Team. No. Look at the look. Look. Look at that. Look at the greatness. Look at look at the Hunter Renfro. And it, it, oh my God, and Derek Carr looks reincarnated for several weeks. Oh my God! Did you see that defense? Oh my God! Did you see the <laughs> Henry Ruggs? Did you hear what happened to this guy? Did you hear about another DUI case with this team? Did you hear? Did you? It just it just keeps uh, Gruden. Oh my God! Yeah, really? It, it, it's just, it's, oh, uh, they can't catch. Like, and I feel Shady. bad for anybody on the team Down. that isn't a leader. <laughs> but it's like guys like Derek Carr. It's like okay, I understand. I heard what you said in that press conference, and you said, hey. Uh, for anybody that is still here on the team, reach out to me. Let me know. Like, but at, at a certain point as a leader, you just have to recognize your guys and your team and just and reach out to them on your own accord. It's like, what? Where is there any sense of brotherhood here? Like, you guys are not looking out for each other. So I yeah. like I I, I again. The only thing that I have to say about it is that it is just disgusting that this has happened again. Um, but with that, we have even more yeah, tragic uh, news because <laughs> Clinton Portis yeah. now has been sentenced to six months in prison and six months of house arrest uh, for his involvement with the uh, COVID relief fund fraud case. Um, so now he is a uh, convicted felon and is now a year under some sort of police supervision um, for, for the next year. So th- that is wow. news that came across this week as well. I uh, just wanted to give everybody, we talked about it a few weeks ago when we said that he was guilty uh, for in a court of law, but uh, now he has his sentence and we'll, we'll see where that takes him. Um, before I get into another thing that I'm disgusted about, I do want to g- give props to uh, Robert Quinn because um, he did break Chicago single season sack record. Um, just wanted to give him his flowers. Uh, again, a nice story to come out of this past week. Um, one of the only good stories to come out of this past week, because man, there's been a lot of tragedy. Yeah. But he passes Richard Dent. Uh, I think I can't remember. Is it exact? Did he get exactly 18 or is he up to 18 and a half now? Give me a second. I'll find out. <laughs> Don't no. worry. I get regardless. It. He breaks the record. 
Um, and so, but that's all I really had to say about it because he, he does not want to talk about it. He is just like, okay, business as usual. Let's get back to work. Let's play some football again. And it's like, wow, that is, he is the least excited about breaking a franchise record uh, for one of the most historic franchises defensively in all of the NFL. Like that, that one I found do, a little bit he funny. We do realize that um, they're not going to the playoffs. So, I mean, take, take the moment, bask in this yeah, moment. At you know, some seriously. point. Please, please. <laughs> come on, come on, man. Like it ain't much else to talk about here. And I'm like, hell, every, you know, Ain't nobody breaking these records every other week, uh, every other year, or anything. Like I'm like, come on, you know. Gee. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is another way of Chicago just can't get it right. You know, they just, <sighs> you know, congratulations. Even if you don't want to be, you know, you want to be in a congratulatory mood, fine. Congratulations, man. You did something big in in the midst of a real shit show season. Yeah. I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, there, the one thing that I will said, say though. is that I am very happy to see this because now we have a a an opposite edge rusher that can match Khalil Mack, and he is under contract for another two years, I believe. Robert Quinn is. We have Khalil Mack for another three, I believe. So, for at least for the next. Mm. Three, two, two to three years, we are going to see a tandem. If Robert Quinn can stay at this pace, maybe it just took him a little while to get acclimated to our defense over here. But if he can stay at this pace and when Cleo Mack comes back, that is going to be a hard tandem to stop. Um, I know we're going to lose Akeem Hicks, but we do still have Bilal Nichols, who I'm really excited about. He's a 25, maybe 26-year-old defensive lineman that's going to eat up a lot of blocks. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, we don't have too many other young guys on the uh, defensive line. Um, uh, I'm wholeheartedly expecting Akeem Hicks to to walk this season, but we do have guys like Robert Quinn on the back end. Uh, Alec Ogletree, I think we only have for a one-year deal, so we'll see if we re-sign him or not. Um, but he's a linebacker, a coverage linebacker. Uh, but I do think he can bring a little bit to the pass rush game. So it's going to be interesting, like I said, to see who decides to step up, who, what young guys begin to step up in the middle of that defense, the defensive line anyway, because, man, those two guys on the edge, they're going to be wreaking havoc for the next two years uh, if they can stay uh, healthy uh, moving forward. So if we can fix the defensive back situation, that defense is going to be back to that 85 Bears look real quick. Yeah, and it was 18 to be exact. Yeah, yeah, he did get to the 18. I did just find that total. Uh, 17 and a half was the previous record, but he passed that last week with his sack on uh, Mike Glennon, Um, which is funny. Mike Glennon now has twice uh, been the, uh, the ultimate sack that has gotten somebody over the single season sack record for their team. Did it with Aaron Donald. He was the sack for him a few years back. And now with Robert Quinn, the second time Mike Glennon has given up that that final sack to break a record. Um, but that's some good news to come out of this week. Last kind of tragic headline this week. This one also disgusts me pretty. It, this one eats at my core because when it comes to to awards, I have wholeheartedly been a a proponent of all awards should be peer uh, decided on. Um, it should be voted on by either the players, the coaches, the executives of that league. They 
should be should be the deciding factors of who gets that award. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. MVP voter Hub Arkush. I don't even know how to say this man's name. A guy I have no idea who he is or who he writes for, uh, but he was on Chicago on a Chicago radio show earlier this week. Um, he just blatantly admits he's not going to be voting for Aaron Rodgers for MVP for specifically non-football related issues. He has an issue with the fact that um, Aaron Rodgers is unvaccinated and he, I'm just going to read this quote verbatim. Arkush states that I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way that he did and be the most valuable player. I'm sorry. Everything that happened this offseason has nothing to do with the MVP award. I don't give a damn what you think about him with his vaccination status. I don't give a damn that you think that he's a jerk. And quite frankly, even though I don't believe Aaron Rodgers, the MVP this season, it's people like this guy, this MVP voter that nobody knows that is that is the problem with the award in the first place. I don't like you, so I'm not going to vote for you. Regardless of it, if I think Aaron Rodgers should be the MVP or not, which I don't, I would put both uh, Jonathan Taylor as my number one and I would put Tom Brady as the number two for me. And Aaron Rodgers would be, be coming in at third in, in, in my own feelings. But that's for football related. What mm-hmm. I have watched this season, that is how I feel. It has nothing to do with the fact that I hate Aaron Rodgers as a person because he keeps beating up on my team just because I don't like him or the fact that he blatantly misled the media and said that he was immunized and not vaccinated. And everybody on this podcast, all the fans of this show understand my feelings towards COVID. Let's get it all wrapped up in a bud. Everybody go get your shots. Everybody go get vaccinated so we can get back to regular life. But that's just me, but I'm not holding that against Aaron Rodgers against his MVP race. Mm -hmm. So I, the media should never be able to vote on awards. I just don't agree. They should have no power on these awards. It's people like them that are just what's what's a problem with the awards in the first place. You, You want the media to have a say in something. You guys can keep the goddamn Pro Bowl. I don't give a damn who goes to the Pro Bowl. Nobody freaking watches it because it's a snooze fest anyway. You guys can go ahead and vote on that. If that's what you, if that's for some reason as a writer you have nothing else to write about, go ahead and vote on that. And that's I will go ahead and I want to see offensive player of the year, MVP, coach of the year, um, defensive rookie of the year. All of the awards should be voted on by the players, by the coaches, by executives. Every single award. Yeah. If not, well, I would say if not the fans, but that that might get a little murky. So no, uh, the fans are just like the media. It's just going to be another popularity contest. I because you because this is why I I I actually hold a lot more stock in the all pro voting than I do with the Pro Bowl voting. Pro Bowl voting is just a popularity contest. Who's the biggest names and who can we put in there? Because we saw it even this year. A lot of guys got snubbed in the Pro Bowl this year. It's just like, okay, that dude clearly didn't deserve it this year over another guy. That That's just clear as day. But all pro is voted on by the players. And so when it comes down to that, if you get the most votes by your peers, the guys that are actually going to war against you every single week, week in, week out, trying to take each other's head off, 
<clears throat> of yeah. course, those guys, I'm going to hold that one in higher regard. The guys that are actually playing against you more than a Pro Bowl vote for Aaron Donald got his seventh one. And Aaron Donald had an okay season, but he hasn't been by any means the game record that he was a few years back when he get when he's going to get his all pro. Like, I wouldn't say that uh, Aaron Donald is going to get more all pro nods this year than guys like TJ Watt. Like TJ Watt might not even get defensive player of the year this year when he's got, he's closing in on Michael Strahan's NFL record of 22 and a half sacks. You only need one. Yeah. He's, uh, was he at 21, 22? 21 and a half. Yeah, so yeah, to tie it, he only needs one. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. He only need one. Yeah. And was like, and he's not in that guy is not going to get defensive player of the year. Like, I think it's hands down. Micah Parsons is the defensive rookie of the year, but defensive player of the year, TJ Watt has been amazing on that crap team anyway. Right. <laughs> so I just, exactly. it, when I saw that statement come across and I was actually the, the one, one of the very few times I've been a fan of Aaron Rodgers. And when he responds back to him and calls him a bum and is like, this dude doesn't even know me. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. How can he call me a jerk if he doesn't even know me? Mm-hmm. It, it's like that it's just like I the NFL needs to go and take a real hard look at this and say hey you know what we're going to take our awards back and we're going to let the players vote on this at, from now on like after this season there shouldn't be no more awards that are voted on by by the media like that just that it's, it's an asinine thing anyway it doesn't make sense what, what do they know they're watching just as much football as I am, and I don't have a Pro Bowl vote. Why don't I got? One? Why, why don't I have one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I, I think the influence from uh, media is janky, like you were saying, no more so than um, standard fans like ourselves and stuff like that. Because you know, we got too many biases and too many reasons yeah. why we want we would um, embrace a player, and many reasons why we will shun one. You know. And I, you know, I don't like this dude's haircut this year. I think his haircut sucks. You know, and I mean, serious. That's like a real thing. No, yeah. I I, I was laughing because it's true. And that alone, there's no way I can vote for you. You know, am I being irrational? Hell no. But but I have a vote. You know, and no one can take that from me if I have a vote. You know, it's so. That's the. I mean, we see it kind of in reverse with a lot of these medias media players, especially like if you just as an example, going over the NBA, you see it more on the side of why we can't get unanimous, you know, voting or stuff like that. But stuff that's just hands down is this guy. Yeah. Nope, we got this two, one or two holdouts. Just be like, I would never vote for this guy I, under no circumstance and such and such and such and such reasons why we can't get Barry Bonds in a, you know, and I want to get into all the drug stuff and the steroids and all that nonsense. But God damn it. Look, these rewards is about the numbers. Yeah. Period. It's about your play it's, on the field. Exactly. It has nothing to do with anything else. Exactly. You go, you walk in there, you hit, you smack 81 home runs. I, I think you deserve to be on somebody's list somewhere on somebody's award. I'm sorry. I don't give a damn what it is. I, say what you want to say. Because now I'm going to say this and be redundant with it. If, it. if the steroid ever never happened, baseball would be in flux. Moving on. Mm. I'm moving on. Because it was in mm. flux going into it. Anybody want to challenge me on that? Bring it. That's a true, true statement. Oh, my goodness. They need to bring the steroid era back. Uh, no. <laughs> Hashtag bring the steroid era back. <laughs> 
Hey, hey. Negative attention, positive attention. It's attention. Hey, it's attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, take it. Let's on. talk standings in the NFL right now. Uh, yes. There's a lot of teams that are still alive. There's still a lot of things to be decided uh, in this final week of the season. So we do have 14 now officially eliminated teams in the NFL. Uh, quickly running through those. We got Jacksonville, Detroit, the Giants, the Texans, the Jets, the Panthers, Seahawks, Chicago Bears, the football team, Atlanta, Minnesota, uh, Denver, uh, Cleveland, and the Miami Dolphins are all officially eliminated. That is 14 teams. That means that there are 16 teams either locked into the playoffs or still mathematically alive. In the AFC, we have five teams still alive fighting for the final two spots. That would be the Indianapolis Colts, the L.A. Chargers, the Vegas Raiders, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Baltimore Ravens. In the NFC, we have two teams still alive fighting for the very last spot in the uh, NFC, and that would be San Francisco and the New Orleans Saints. So AFC wise, we have at the top, Tennessee is 11 and five. They are the division winners and they currently hold the tiebreaker over, t- or over Kansas city because of the head to head tiebreaker. I believe uh, Tennessee, I think got them earlier on this season. Um, Kansas city after their loss to Cincinnati fall down to 11 and five. They have won their division uh, already though. So they still sit at the number two seed as it is right now. Cincinnati climbs out uh, up until 10 and six. They have now finally clinched their division this, uh, this past week. And with that being said, Cincinnati is actually kept themselves alive and in contention for the number one seed this week. Um, Buffalo is 10 and six. They lead the AFC East as it stands right now, but they have not locked it up because the number five seed new England Patriots, they are also 10 and six and they have also locked themselves into the playoffs. Now Indy and LA, the chargers are both nine and seven. They sit at six and seven as it stands right now. They control their own destinies. You win and you are in this week. Now sitting right outside the bubble, the final three teams, uh, eight, nine, and 10 Vegas Raiders are sitting at nine and seven Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting at eight, seven, and one and the Baltimore Ravens at 10 are sitting at eight and eight Pittsburgh and Baltimore need help to get in Vegas is playing against the Chargers. So if they win, they are in now let's look at the NFC side of things. Green Bay. They've won their division. They've locked up first place in the NFC. They are going to be the number one seed. They will get that first round by. There's no if, ands, or buts about that. Green Bay has locked in the number one seed. Now, the Rams, funny enough, are 12 and four, but they have not locked in their division. They have not locked themselves into the two seed. They have locked themselves a playoff berth, though, so they will be playing an extra game this season at least. Tampa Bay is sitting at 12 and four. They are the three seed, uh, some weird tiebreaker. I don't know which one uh, has them right under the Los Angeles Rams, but they ha- have won their division um, this week. And so they have Carolina and they will be playing in the playoffs. They will have a home game. Dallas has also won their division. They're 11 and five with their loss. They fall all the way down to number four in the division or sorry, in the conference rather. So they are sitting at the four seed. They will have a home game in the playoffs as well. Arizona has locked themselves into the playoffs uh, and they still can technically win the division. If they get a win and the Rams lose, 
they will win the division and that will get them all the way. I think up to the three seed, something like that. Forget exactly where they will fall, but they will win the division and get a home game. If that, if that scenario plays out, San Francisco has not locked anything up uh, at the six seed. They're not even technically in the playoffs yet. Um, but Philadelphia is at the seventh seed, like I said earlier, but they are nine and seven. They do have a playoff berth. They will be play- playing another game uh, after this week. Uh, New Orleans is that first team and only team out that are still mathematically alive at eight and eight. Um, they still have a way of making the playoffs this this week. Um, so let's go ahead and look at those playoff scenarios. Um, we've got quite a few. Let's start with the AFC because they don't even have the number one seed locked up yet. And there are four teams. There are four teams that are able to make it to that number one seed this week uh, in the AFC. It starts with Tennessee. They have the easiest path of getting the number one seed. Tennessee can clinch the first round by all they have to do is win and they have it. It is locked up and they've got it. Conversely, another way that they can get it if they lose and also Kansas City, Denver, uh, if Kansas City loses against Denver and Cincinnati loses against Cleveland. And also, I think New England will have to lose against Miami for them to lock up that number one seed. Um. So they have two options. They have an either or Kansas city. On the other hand, they would need to win against Denver, get that seven, beat the seven and nine Denver Broncos, but they would also need a loss from Tennessee against Houston uh, this week to reclaim the number one uh, seed in the AFC. Now, Cincinnati has an even tougher chance of getting it because they would need to win against Cleveland and they would also need Tennessee and Kansas city to lose this week to claim the number one seed still mathematically able to be done though. All right. The craziest one though, is not even Cincinnati. It's new England. New England has an opportunity of getting the number one seed this week. It all starts with them getting a win <coughs> against Miami, which is tough enough for them as it is, but they would also need Buffalo to lose against the jets, Kansas city to lose against Denver, and they would need Tennessee to lose versus Houston. So I guess they have some tiebreaker over Cincinnati, apparently that they would be able to claim that number one seed uh, over them, which is, that is blowing my mind enough, which is funny enough, but which one that they got four, four things that they got to overcome or the fact that they got four things they got to overcome, but still hold a tiebreaker against those. Yeah. All of it is so insane. Uh, it's, it's really up to everybody coming together for them to, uh, get that one. But the funny thing is I can see that scenario playing out. Like (laughs) it's not something where I'm like, Oh, that's too far fetched. They can still get it. Um, new England also has a chance at clinching the AFC East, regardless if they want to get the number one seed or not, they need to win to, to even give them a chance at it. And they would also need Buffalo to lose their game against the Jets for them to grab the AFC East crown. Um, Buffalo has the easiest uh, battle for them to get the AFC East crown over here. They just need a win versus the Jets. Or if New England drops that game versus Miami, they are automatically going to win the AFC East crown. Um, Indianapolis, um, they can clinch their playoff berth. They can no longer get a. Uh, they have no. They have no ability of catching Tennessee at all. Um, but they can win a, a playoff berth. That's all. They, all they have to do 
beat Jacksonville. Uh, Chargers, they also have a very clear and easy chance at winning uh, themselves a playoff berth. And all, all it takes for them is to beat the Vegas Raiders. Now for Vegas, they've got a little bit more work that needs to be done. They could actually just get in by beating the Chargers. Or if Indianapolis loses, uh, they just need Pittsburgh and Baltimore to not end in a tie and they will win. They, they will get in. Um, so it's kind of a weird wonky mm-hmm. matchup, but they do have a chance at getting in there. Pittsburgh, they have a chance of getting in with a lot, a lot of help. What they would need to do is beat Baltimore right off the get go. They need to get to, they need to beat that eight and eight team, get to nine, seven and one. That's the first step. Second step is Indianapolis needs to lose to Jacksonville. From then on, they also would need Vegas and the Chargers to not end in a tie. If the Vegas Charger game ends in a tie after Indianapolis loses, both Vegas and Indy or Vegas and um, LA will get into the playoffs and yeah. Indy will fall out. So it's a crazy, crazy scenario that could happen. And if they're act, if they feel like they really want, both teams to get in. They want to kind of take a rest week, just kneel out the game. We could possibly see if Indy loses in the noon window, Chargers and in, 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 uh, in Raiders go into Sunday night football and say, we want to be as healthy as possible for the playoffs and both kneel out the game in, in, in a zero, zero tie. And that's how the, everything ends for the, for the season, which wow. would be fitting, but I don't ever see that happening versus a Chargers Raiders game. So that's that. You know who needs the most help to get into the playoffs on the AFC side of things? The most help? Baltimore Ravens. They still have a chance. They're 8-8, eight and eight and they can clinch a playoff berth. It all starts with a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. They would also need the Chargers to lose versus the Raiders, and they would need Indy to lose versus Jacksonville, and they would need Miami to lose versus uh, New England. If all of that happened then Baltimore and Vegas would be the two teams that get in. So the the wow. AFC playoff picture is completely wide open. There is only a couple of things that can happen in, in the NFC, and I'll go through those really quickly here. It all comes down to uh, this NFC West title comes down to if the Rams win, they've got it. If they beat San Francisco this week, it's over with, it's done for. LA Rams will be 13 and four and they will have that win. Or as long as Arizona loses to Seattle, boom, still Rams get the, the NFC West crown. Now Arizona would need just both things to happen. They would need to beat Seattle and they would need San Francisco to beat LA. Those two things happen. They would get in and they would get that NFC West title. And I think, like I said earlier, I think they jump up to three uh, in the, in the NFC playoff picture picture. Um, now the last spot for the NFC is still up for grabs and that's San Francisco and new Orleans battling it out for it. San Francisco simply needs to win against the Rams to get in that. Uh, or if new Orleans loses against Atlanta, that is all set and done. Same thing with Arizona, like Arizona, new Orleans just needs to do both things. They need a win and they need San Francisco to lose versus the Rams and they're in. That is all of the playoff scenarios for week 18. A ton more playoff scenarios than I thought we would have this week when, when we were when we headed into the week. But right. there's so much things that are still left to be decided. So many playoff seeds left to be uh, made up. 
And it's just a lot of fun kind of wrapping things up this week. There's just so many things that could, could be done here. So any thoughts, any, any key game that you're looking at? Um, man, a key game. Hmm. Give me two seconds here. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I know it's a lot of, a lot of scenarios thrown at you all at once. Yeah, that was a nice question to come right behind it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just pick one. I don't think it's a wrong answer here. Um, you want to know the one I'm most intrigued with? And it's just a personal thing. It is really the Seattle Arizona game. Mm. Seattle and Arizona. Just, I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't think anything has changed. I think the NFC West is the best division in, in, by far this year, and again mm. in, in the NFL. Um, our predictions were almost spot on. I mean, Arizona surprised us and became that third team, not that, you know, kind of moved into that second spot, was basically at a, had a gridlock on the entire damn um, NFC altogether for half yeah. a season. Yeah. And now they're just, you know, still have potential, the potential of winning. The They've been middling for a little while now. Number three seed. Yeah. But still, Play, playing much above and beyond what we kind of slated them at, just based on the division itself, where, where I'm more surprised that they kind of, you know, outplayed San Francisco this year. You know, I, I, I didn't necessarily, I wouldn't, I didn't know where San Francisco was going this year, but yeah. I didn't think Arizona yeah. was going to necessarily, you know, kind of in a overwhelming fashion, kind of you overshadowed three, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did. And, they, yeah. and I was and I was just saying by default they had three. So the fact that they're not at the three the three seed is kind of like this is exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. And so it, it you know they 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 have done more than what was expected of them this year overall. And the fact that now and and now we're looking at possibly Russell Wilson's last game as a Seahawk and Arizona's scenario all converging at the same time on Sunday. Mm. It ain't the most greatest headline, but just take it for what it is. I think it's a hell of intriguing. So <laughs> I'm going uh, to it, be it, watching like a hawk this Indianapolis versus Jacksonville game because if that if if because because specifically because Jacksonville for some reason Indy cannot beat Jacksonville at the end of the season. They have not beat them this late in the season, or they have not beaten them in Jacksonville since 2014. Oh, really? That's how long it's been. And if Indy loses this game, it opens up so many possibilities. Indy can still get into the into the playoffs if they lose. Uh, Vegas can get in. Uh, Baltimore can get in if they lose. Like, it's just what what is going to transpire after they lose? Like, if that happens, I'm. I, I will say this right off the bat. I have Indy in, in the in the game picks just because it's freaking Jacksonville. But with that stat being that they, they have not beaten them since 2014 in Jacksonville, that one specifically is going to open up this entire week for so much chaos if they lose this game. So I, I that's the game I'm going to be watching closest. Um, but like I said, I do think Indy's going to win that game. After that, I'm really going to be looking specifically at just that Chargers Raiders game because that's just going to be, quote unquote, an 
the first playoff game of the year at that point. So that that one's going to be the most intriguing to me. I really don't care who gets in at the bottom of the NFC because whoever gets that last spot, I think is going to get bounced pretty quickly. Um, and even if I mean that, the, the, I think the NFC West race is pretty interesting to see if Arizona can reclaim the number one uh, seed in the in the division. But I do think the Rams will be able to to pull that off. I, I guess you got to you have to keep a close eye on the Rams because of the kind of suspect play that they've had to cut last couple of weeks um, with, with Matthew right. Stafford specifically. But uh, I, I, it's not something that I think is more interesting than what's happening at the bottom of the AFC right now. So that would do it for the news headlines, playoff scenarios and standings uh, portion of the show. Um, 